when the robot revolution comes, are you going to join the robots or are you staying team human? I think I'd join the robots. Oh, you're going to sell out your fellow man, huh? I think so. Wow. Seems safer. I guess. maybe. Although, would I be like a human slave then? Well, I think you could probably get your brain put into a robot body. Oh, yeah. That's what I want. But you'd only be four feet tall. What? Yeah. Why? That's Those are the robot rules. What? Yeah. Oh. But you'd have chainsaws for hands. I don't want chainsaws for hands. I want hands for hands. Well, they, they're they interchangeable. They could flip oh, out. Oh, so I can like click them on and off? Like, no, I think they'd flip out. Oh, it's like a robot. It would thing. rotate through. Right. Yeah. And maybe you have like a spoon. Like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. But for arms. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Spoon, like a, like a drill would be handy. And then I guess I would just work in the, the salt mines. You're not going to join the robots with me? No, I don't know. Humanity's been, I was going to say it's been pretty good to me, but it really hasn't. <laughs> you don't want chainsaw hands? Oh, I totally want chainsaw like hands. Like a drill would be so much better. Can't eat pizza. Yeah. No more cheese. You just go lick a battery. It's not the same. Just go lick a, that's how robots eat? I'm pretty sure. I watched <laughs> Ex Machina. I'm pretty sure you just lick a battery. <laughs> Well, speaking of, let's start our episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy, human till I die, Randawa, and with me is Samantha, chainsaw hands, Randawa. Oh, that's me. (laughs) Welcome to an episode with no ads. No ads for you, just robots. Just robots. Only robot talk. (laughs) We should say that this episode is brought to you by the... Fadden Ginther Washing Machine Foundation. Yes. You need a washing machine. Go check them out. Yes, the Fadden Ginther Washing Machine Foundation is one of my favorites. <laughs> well, today we are going to be talking about the film Ex Machina. And you know what? We don't even have to stop for an ad. That was our ad right that there. That was it. We're done. Yeah. So if this is your first episode, we take turns picking movies, things the other likely hasn't seen or would not watch on their own, and we force them to watch it. <laughs> so this was my pick. It was in response to Samantha's pick of Megan, and we kind of started getting into ideas of AI, of robots, and I think more importantly, that you said you don't like sci-fi or horror but then you absolutely do. I think you just don't uh, always know yeah. what all encapsulates sci-fi. So I thought I'd bring something in that has similar ideas to Megan and mm-hmm. plus can show you that sci-fi can be all sorts of things. Right. It can be big giant space battles, but it can also be a movie that would work just as well as a play with mostly just people sitting in rooms having conversations. Yeah. And I think this is some pretty fantastic sci-fi. It was my pick. I'd only seen it in the theater, I think, and I thought it was great then. You know what? I still agree. It holds up. I love this movie. But Samantha, did you? Um, I enjoyed it a lot. This is Sam's standard answer. Usually <laughs> she frames it as I really liked it, but I think it's about the same. I was trying to change it up. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah. What did you enjoy a lot about this? Um, I loved the kind of the world that they built in this kind of bunker house and how you kind of lose touch with the outside world and like reality and stuff because you don't see any of that during the movie. And uh, I kind of enjoyed getting to know like Ava and Caleb um, and Nathan and in this like really insular kind of world that he'd built. So you think the setting worked, the tension, I would guess, worked Mm -hmm, as well. What about just the overall ideas that are presented in this movie? Or the plot as well? I didn't really understand the testing, the Turing test. Okay. um, Until I read about it after we watched the movie, and then it kind of made more sense. But um, I feel like there was a bit of it that kind of went over my head just from like a tech standpoint. But I really enjoyed how they made a lot of that like really accessible to the viewer. I think they did a great job of that, of making this movie that is about some like high scientific thought, Mm -hmm. but not getting into it. Yeah. And well, I'm already starting with an analysis (laughs) almost, but to praise writer director uh, Alex Garland, because his writing is efficient. 
in a lot of ways. And that doesn't sound like the biggest compliment, but we'll get into other ways where his writing is just straight up brilliant, I think. But I say efficient because he is very good at cutting around the things that I don't want to hear in a movie. I don't want to get into all the minutiae of the technology of this movie because this is a work of fiction. And clearly there's a lot of actual research done and there's a lot of reference to actual research. Mm. But I don't need that in a fictitious movie because it doesn't matter. Yeah. So it was nice that he is able to, um, through largely the character of Nathan, just say like, you know what? Let's just talk about how does this make you feel? Mm -hmm. Like We both know what a Turing test is. Let's get past it. And that part is one part where they actually stopped and explained a little. Mm -hmm. And they did a very good job of avoiding the, what I like to call, like, I know I work here moments. Because in so often in a movie, people will explain what they're doing to their colleague. And they're like, yeah, in a real world, they would say, yeah, I know, I work here. Yeah, I do this every day right next to you. (laughs) But in this one, they try to avoid all of that, which is nice. And the Turing test, which maybe we should start out with, before I just start praising the movie, we can go over those questions. Because if there are issues that are um, holding you back, maybe we get those out of the way. And then by the end, you'll be like, oh, I love this movie. (laughs) So the Turing test is one thing that they actually explained very briefly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alan Turing was a, a brilliant guy who was like really just screwed over by his uh, state he was a british citizen i haven't i read his biography a very long time ago but i remember this test and i think we talked about it way back on our blade runner episode because Uh. in that one they have what they call i think it was the voight kampf test which is essentially the same thing and the turing test was designed in a world where they thought a computer would be um speaking or typing to you through a wall rather than seeing a full live actualized android in front of you and it was just about can you determine if this is a person or a computer i did wonder about that because like it's obvious that she's a robot yeah and i think they addressed that early on too of like we're not going to do that i'm going to show you this is a machine and still convince you Mm -hmm. that it has sentience or humanity or however we want to define that right Yeah, I found that really interesting. Um, And I did like that they threw like a few kind of science-y over your head things in because it really made you feel like this technology is fancy. Like this is like big stuff. And so like even though I didn't understand it and I feel like most people wouldn't understand it, it was like, oh, no, but this is like really high level. So you know that like Ava is really important. So before this movie, or in the last month when we've talked a little bit more about sci-fi, what do you associate with a sci-fi movie? Robots, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's been the theme of this month. Space, I feel like anything happening in space is science fiction. Do you consider Star Wars a sci-fi movie? Yeah. It has very little to do with any sort of science. True. It's just their world happens to have spaceships in it. Yeah. And, um... Like the future. Okay. What about feeling-wise? Do they tend to be more like action movies, mysteries, horror, comedy? I'd say they're definitely like darker. They can be like funny in places, but they don't tend to be like comedic. Usually there's something like darker going on with it. Interesting. Is that Does that make sense? I, I do understand what you're saying. I thought you would say something else. I thought you were thinking more like your Star Trek and Star Wars of Mm. these big space operas and it's a good time and it's just aliens and spaceships and everything like that. And I guess in the last couple we've seen, it's definitely gotten into that darker stuff. Yeah. You like to talk about the types of thrillers that you like. And I would say this movie is a a thriller as much as it is sci-fi or anything like that. And the ones you like tend to be twisty and turny are your favorite words for her, right? But I think this movie is what I consider a really effective thriller. It doesn't necessarily have those twists and turns. Maybe there are are a couple of twists at the end, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it's not a big like, oh. Yeah, it doesn't like completely turn the story around. They're not played off like big surprises that you don't expect. Rather, there's just this kind of constant unease a constant fear of like mm-hmm. what may happen. Yeah. And I like that a lot more than something where upon a second rewatch, there's nothing interesting because you've already figured it out. Mm-hmm. 
We watched a little bit right now just before while we're doing our notes, and I want to watch the entire movie again because knowing the ending and re-watching it, you really get to appreciate a lot of things that kind of go by on the first time because mm-hmm. on the first watch, you're just trying to figure out who these people are, what's happening. Yeah. But on the second watch, you really notice all of these things being set up so much earlier than I had, I had expected. What kinds of things did you notice on the second watch? Specifically with uh, Oscar Isaac's portrayal of Nathan, that seems like a brilliant performance now. <laughs> At the first watch, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's um, like this dick and whatever. And yeah. you move on. But now looking back and knowing what his end game is, and of course, this is all spoilers this episode, so yeah. if you haven't watched Ex Machina from 2014, go watch it right now. But seeing that he did set up Caleb... All of that is very evident when you rewatch it now. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. How could I not have noticed that? But we don't know who he is. We're taken aback because he's a big character. He's a lot coming at you. And he's got a lot of different things that he does in the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Well, I guess we could just start off by talking about the characters because he's a good one to start off with. Well, first, maybe, did you have a favorite character? Um, I kind of like Kyoko. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and her, like, you could see that she understood what was going on and, like, kind of hated her situation just from some of her, like, facial expressions and mannerisms and stuff. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed her as, like, a silent character in the background. I think that is definitely an underrated and very important part of this mm-hmm. movie, which, again, you don't realize because the first time through because you're not quite sure who she is, what she is. Yeah. But watching it now, you're like, oh, this, I can totally see where the ending comes from. Yeah. It all makes perfect sense. From yeah, exactly. It, she will definitely talk more about her. And I think every performance in this movie, and you really only have those four performances, and Kyoko is kind of like a half almost, because she's not in there very often. But this movie, for a sci-fi movie about robots, is really all about people sitting in rooms talking. Yeah. Which is very interesting, and I really liked that. Did that go against what you expected? Yeah, it was a lot, like, quieter of a movie than I was expecting. Mm Mm-hmm. When you say, like, sci-fi robots, I kind of expected, like, a Blade Runner experience. Right, which also is not a terribly big, bombastic movie, but rather... But it's a lot faster and louder and, like, busier, I guess. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because you're you're leaving the house, I guess. Yeah, you're out in the world. Um, This I found really interesting um, because, yeah, you, you only get this small slice of the like even just the house mm-hmm. you see like three rooms in the house and um i wasn't expecting it to take place in such a small area i guess that's that's one thing that really surprised me yeah when you think of a sci-fi movie you don't think of something that could also work very well on stage mm-hmm. and this would be a great play oh absolutely yeah it's like three sets four sets maybe you could get away with two i think yeah yeah true just a few props in and out. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's really interesting because I wouldn't have thought of it as a like stage production kind of story, mm-hmm. but it totally is. I keep redirecting this conversation, <laughs> but back to characters. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, Oscar Isaac, who plays Nathan. And I remember when this came out and I read like a review or two today from when it came out and they're all talking about how like, what a weird kind of character that he's some um, tech guy, but he's also like uh, like a misogynist dude who likes boxing and lifting weights. And now we're like, yeah, that's a tech bro. Yeah. That is totally a that's thing totally now. totally a tech and bro. And it was not a thing at the time oh, at that's all. funny. They were just like nerdy, quiet people. Yeah. So this was like <laughs> the first appearance of like the programmer yeah. on, uh, on in film, I think. I don't like that word. In my mind, I just made it up right now, but I'm sure it's been used thousands oh, of I'm times. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. If I Google programmer, it'll come up. <laughs> yeah. So now we are watching uh, Mythic Quest, which, yeah, not great, but it's all right. Yeah. But there's, you can totally see that character is just yeah. a thing now. Oh, 100%. And it wasn't in 2014. Yeah. And it, that was not that long ago. So that's really interesting. 
I love how quickly we get into his ideas of um, of grandeur, of how egomaniacal he is. Because he's like, remember that time you called me a god? Yeah. And Caleb's like, that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when I was a god. So, <laughs> and how quickly all of these attributes just flow right into his misogyny as well. Yeah. Right? Or I guess that's an argument. Oh, from my end, that's what I see. But if you don't consider these robots women or people, mm-hmm. then he's just a guy who treats his toys poorly. Yeah. Which is kind of a gross way to think. But if you don't believe there are sentience in those robots, you could make the argument that Nathan doesn't do anything wrong. Because if I had a um, remote control car and I just like throw it on the ground. True. Is that bad? Yeah. And I mean, it, no, it's not bad, but I, I was agreeing with your thought. <laughs> and it makes you struggle with that. Yeah. And we'll get into it more because I argue that they are very intentionally making you, forcing you to have those ideas and that th- thought process, not just when it comes to artificial intelligence, but of women in general. Mm-hmm. But I'm a bad person to ask because I, is there a term for it? Like the pathos of things? Is that what it is? Because I remember on a... Christmas, I got new slippers, and as a joke, I threw my slippers aside and said, "Like fuck you, slippers! I got new ones." Yeah. And then when no one was around, I picked them up and like apologized because I thought that was very rude to put do. them back where the slippers go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I am not a good judge of uh, how treating an object is because I feel bad for all objects. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the difference between you and Nathan. Yes, one of a few. Mm-hmm. We have similar beards going right now. Oh no, actually, mine's more. Yeah, yours is more (laughs) slim and trim. And then we have Donald Gleason, who is playing Caleb. What did you think of him? Um, the first like fifteen minutes of the movie, I was like, "Where do I know him from?" And you're like, "Oh, Star Wars. Oh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, those Danny Boyle movies." I don't know that I've seen a Danny Boyle movie, have I? Probably, but maybe not one with him. Okay. You've seen maybe Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. Okay. That which was written by Alex Garland, who oh. is a writer director of this. I like that full circle moment. Hmm. Yeah, I liked him because he seemed like a nerdy tech guy, and he seemed to kind of fit that profile. And I really liked how his whole character and his experience in the house really drove that like fish out of water feeling you have the entire movie. Definitely. And he's our way in. Mm -hmm. We don't know what this movie is about. He doesn't know what he's going there Mm -hmm. for. We're figuring out this house. He's figuring out this house. We're shocked and amazed by by Ava and just like he is. So we're following along with him for, for quite a bit. And also, I would say, good performance. I would say the trickiest one. Oh, although... Vikander as Ava is a tricky one too. But this one you get less to do. Yeah. It's it's a really underrated thing to play like the straight man in a comedy or in a movie like this where you are mostly just reacting to other performances that can really like grab onto something. Mm-hmm. I know how to play Nathan. I know how I would play Ava, but playing Caleb is tricky because you are just reacting a lot of the time and it's not until probably 75% of the way through when he starts kind of uh, becoming more active. Mm-hmm. Do you like his performance? Yeah. I personally love all of the performances. I am going to agree with you because, yeah, everybody does the perfect thing to, like, drive the story. And everybody's performance is so different. And then we get to uh, Alicia Vikander, who plays Ava. Yeah. She was really interesting. Um, I kind of forgot that there was, like, a human in there playing that part. I don't know, like, it worked on me, I guess. The movie worked on me. But yeah, I kind of forgot that that was, like, an actress who would be wearing, like, a robot suit to play Ava. Um, And I thought, like, oh, man, this robot is doing a really good job of pretending to be a human. And it was actually the other way around. But it, like, totally didn't register in my brain that it was someone else playing a robot. Wow. Well, that's uh, that's the biggest compliment you Does could give. Does that make give. me kind of dumb? Or <laughs> no, it means that her performance was very effective. Yeah, like if you ever watch something, you're like, oh, I forgot that that wasn't a vampire and it yeah. was just some guy in a suit. Yeah, that her performance, performance was really good, and it wasn't kind of campy robot 
No. Where you're all like jerky and it's like. It's so hard to bring something new to that. Yeah. Because this role has been done in a variety of ways uh-huh. so many times. And it's not like she's going for something big. No. Everything in this movie is is so small that it, outside of, I guess Nathan is the biggest thing yeah. about it, right? And even him in the scale of other movies is not a, a huge performance. In the mm-hmm. scale of this movie, it definitely yes. is. But she is doing so much small just work. She's doing so much work in her mm-hmm. in her body work and in her facial expressions and oh in my her God. delivery. Her facial expressions were just like gold. And they're so much more heightened because that's kind yeah. of all you get. Yes. Right? Yeah. You like the arms and the legs move and everything, but it's mostly her face and you really see like a full range of emotions cross her face every time she's trying to figure something out or is experiencing something new um, or is like coming up with a, th- a thought or a question of her own. And most movies like this would either do a full CG robot mm-hmm. or they would green screen it and the actors would be like talking to a, a ping pong ball and then they put the person in after with a right. bunch of composite imaging. This movie does something very different and kind of old school. They use techniques that have been in use since like the 50s and 60s that I know of, maybe even earlier. But rather than green screening it, she's there And they shoot with her. Mm -hmm. She is actually in the room and that is her face that was captured live. And then they go in afterwards and add the animation to the rest of her. And they put in some composite parts for where you can see through her. Right. So for people who don't really get like, well, why does that matter? It's uh, an old school way of doing things. It's kind of a more labor intensive way in some ways, but also a very simple way and I think they definitely benefited from having the actors together because the performance on this, mm-hmm. on everyone in this, was amazing. And I think it had everyone just been on a green screen in a soundstage somewhere, maybe they wouldn't be as good. It's yeah. hard to tell. People are professionals and they can act against anything sometimes. But I think that extra little bit adds to the overall like intimacy of this film. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I love that it's a movie about technology and big giant ideas, but it, when it comes down to it, it's all about emotions and humanity and people sitting and having conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked some of the conversations that um, Caleb and Ava have and how when you watch it over again, um, like we just said, I I think that you can really see her kind of goading him into feeling those feelings. Yes. And to kind of like develop that kind of relationship between them, that forbidden relationship, if you will. Yeah, I think everything just works in unison so well here. It seems like uh, Garland is a director that is concept first. Mm -hmm. Like there's one central idea to his work and then the settings and the characters are all in service of that rather than the other way around. I don't believe this movie could be created by someone who said like, let's make a movie about robots and then see what we can do. Or, hey, I have this cool house. Let's see what we can do in the house. Or I have a vehicle for Oscar Isaac, so we're going to make something work. It seems like he had a very clear central theme or ideas that he wants to explore. And then the designs, the acting, and everything else is in service of that. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know how much I love Stanley Kubrick, and I feel like he does a similar thing. I don't think stylistically they're all that similar. Maybe in this one, actually, they kind (laughs) of are. But how they work uh, concept-wise, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Mm. And then one of those things is the setting. So how did you like the setting of this movie? I think the house that the the movie set in is kind of perfect it's like a good mix of like old school house and like futuristic house with all the keypads and everything and um just kind of also in a way is very like back to nature because it's like literally in a mountain almost as if the entire setting was a battle between nature and technology whoa whoa man (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's basically what i was trying to say you're just smarter than me (laughs) no you said the same thing i just said in one sentence (laughs) yeah i i love the set i think i'm not sure but i watch a lot of uh, shows about architecture because that's something i'm really interested in i think this house is a real house in norway and i watched a netflix show about it oh really i think we watched one it had like the two hosts and i think it might have just been called extraordinary homes or something like that 
I think we've been in this house for that show. Oh, that's so cool. That's interesting. And the setting itself adds a level of tension because it's so claustrophobic. And they even commented on it in the beginning, like, oh, yeah, I know you're saying there's no windows in here. And then plus, you can get locked down periodically. Yeah. So that's an ever-present that's threat. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked that. Um, and that the house kind of added to the unease of the show, like of the movie as well. Yeah, I think that's what I mean when I'm talking about how Garland takes his theme and puts it through everything, mm -hmm. like the nature versus technology you were yeah. talking about. Yeah, We have these shots down in the basement with a robot talking to a human, which is nature and technology. Then we go out and we see this house and it's in the mountains. I think there's a stream that kind of goes through it almost. Yeah, kind of. And like there's elements of the rock and everything in yeah, there in the house so it's like the technology's trying to conquer nature but yeah. you can't ultimately and ava's room connects to like a tree an indoor and tree like an atrium an indoor tree is a very uh blade runnery kind of <gasps> idea isn't it i think it was an indoor tree because at one point she's watching the rain fall on it oh i thought it was indoor and there was a light panel of artificial lights ahead of it which may also then water it oh maybe i'm not sure but, but i know at one point she's looking up and out and kind of at the sky maybe it's just i think she can't see any something. sky right or any actual outside world but it, it was raining on the glass oh okay maybe so i don't know <laughs> but i thought that was kind of neat that there were these little touches of nature also that setup between ava and caleb was very interesting as well because she is imprisoned essentially right right but when it comes down to the meetings she has free roam yeah and she can move around and box. he's in a little box yeah and this is going to get into things that we talk about later but it gets into that well who's testing whom mm -hmm. because at the very end we get to see ava session seven and Ava's the one who's alive. Yeah. And she's locking Caleb in and killing Nathan. So when if that's session seven, they were her sessions. Mm -hmm. They were not testing her. She no. was testing it them. Was Ava's session session. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's how you count to seven. <laughs> <laughs> Later on we were going to talk about whether we think she was actually manipulative or not, but that that's one reason why I think, yeah, she was. Yeah. And the setup there too. It reminds me of uh, like a zoo because if you're watching a big predator and then they are walking back and forth watching you, mm -hmm. you're the one being hunted. Yeah. And there is a lot of that going on in this too. Yeah. With her pacing and the first part where she kind of says like, close your eyes, just wait. And she like makes him wait and wait for her and kind of it's her time when they're in there in that box yeah i think we'll get more into that too yeah. but over everything this movie seems to be about power dynamics mm -hmm. a lot i think we get blinded by the ai of it all and this movie is about robots what if <laughs> robots could have human emotions or whatever but there's that's almost a small part in mm -hmm. the end whose eyes did you see this movie through or i guess we talked about caleb yeah uh, yeah, I definitely saw it through Caleb, but then it takes kind of a break from Caleb and you see the ending through Ava's eyes and you see Caleb kind of get locked away like Ava was and then Ava's in charge. And I liked how that's how they ended it. I know I talked to one person about this and they were saying like, oh, I had uh, trouble because you, you switch whose eyes you see it through. Mm -hmm. And I was saying, yeah, oh, absolutely. I agree. But they went from Nathan to Caleb. And I was like, oh, I don't know if we should be friends because that says something not oh. nice, I think, about you. And they were saying that, yeah, because you look at Nathan and he's this b billionaire. He's this genius. So you want to be him. Yeah, but, but you're in the looking end, at him through Caleb's eyes because you're meeting him at the same time that Caleb's meeting him. I guess that's how people watch movies differently. True. You often like movies where it's about a... 
I was going to say excess and opulence. What's a nice way of saying that? Rich people? Fancy people? Fancy things. And then you get to like see that world and like, oh, what if I was that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get that. But I think very early on, you're like, oh, Nathan's a dick. I don't yeah. want to be that guy. No. And yeah, Caleb. But I found myself going from Caleb to Ava as the movie progresses, just like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to... Elliot today maybe he'll listen to this now that I mentioned his name <laughs> I, and um he agreed and he was like wait who thought they were a Nathan no, I know I kind of want to hear that too <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame because I work with someone else who's like really into AI mm. and I didn't get to talk to Zane about this at all so oh. maybe he'll listen and give me his thoughts after yeah I look forward to those thoughts <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think you Maybe not have to. I think I, we at least, switch over to Ava. And I think that has to do a lot with the portrayal of men and women in this movie. And I think this movie has a lot to say about the objectification of women. Mm -hmm. Did you find that as well? Yeah, especially when it's revealed that he has just like naked women in his closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course we get there and it's like, <laughs> it's pretty hard to uh, argue by that point. Yeah. But starting off, they talk about how they could make the robot look like anything. It could mm-hmm. just be a gray box. So why give it sexuality? And this, in the movie, they give a good reason for that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Which is uh, nice that they actually do that because there's so many movies that just have sexy robots. And yeah. Like, why'd you make the robot so sexy? Yeah. Why, why do we need to have that? And in those cases, you're like, well, the creator is inherently misogynistic. And in those cases, they mean like the like art department, the director of the movie right. or someone who's the one who did it. But here, I think it's very intentional. And it's, it's spoken about. So clearly mm-hmm. it's intentional that it is what Nathan wants. And we learn that it is because of, um, it's in service of a goal because mm-hmm. he's trying to get her to manipulate Caleb. Mm-hmm. And he's, she's specifically designed for that. But as a filmmaker, then, why did he do it? Like, there is that plot element, but I think Garland is trying to force us to deal with some really uncomfortable things, even if you're not always aware of it. I think we become very uncomfortable by how Ava is objectified, but like, she is literally. An object, right? Yeah. I guess that's the, the that's the debate. So then, like, why should it bother us if she is a robot that this person created? Mm-hmm. I deal with robots on a on a daily basis, right. and I oh, actually, I do feel sorry for them, but I'm not a good example. Most people don't feel sorry for them. They're just right. it's it's a toy or whatever. I feel like when we get one of those robot vacuum cleaners, I'm going to be really attached to it. Oh, I absolutely like it's a puppy. Will be. Yeah. 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 I, I will name it and I will give it treats. And we will talk to it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 100% I But will. those are just the people that we are. Yeah. <laughs> Regarding Ava, of course, there's the idea that she is possibly sentient and therefore deserves the same rights as the rest of us. But I think there's also an element that we see something in her that we see in the real world. Like we see this woman who is at the whims of a strong, wealthy, arrogant asshole. Mm -hmm. We see that and we want to save her, much like um, Caleb, right? He wants to save her. He wants to come in and be the savior. But then that's just another very specific type of, not asshole, but like, that's a type of guy too, right? The idea that there are all these uh, beautiful women who are just... uh, waiting to be saved by yeah. someone right that's that's another fantasy that guys have yeah like first you have the the nathan fantasy of i will you will do whatever i want you are owned by me yeah and there are real world people like that all over the place you know some mm-hmm. and then there's that next level of like clearly he's not as bad but he's not great yeah of this guy who is projecting all of his wants on her Mm -hmm. and saying, I'm going to save you and you are going to be that woman that I always wanted and never had in my life. And you're going to be so thankful. And you'll owe me because I'm going to save you. And I don't think they play 
Caleb as being like very far and very obvious in the mm-hmm. in that realm. But I think it is definitely there, right? Yeah. You see that too? It's that like, yeah, that big man complex. Where I'm you're a nice like, guy. I'm a nice guy who's just going to like help her out of her situation and give her a better life. And then she's going to own me. Yeah. I'm not going to help out that other one no. because I only feel like I could get something from this one. Yeah. So Kyoko, I'm not really going to do anything about I'm not going to yell at her and berate her like he does. He's a bad guy. Yeah. I'm not going to help her either, but I'm a nice guy. I want to yeah. do that. Yeah. That's in here too. And that makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Because we're seeing all of those things done to these literal objects mm-hmm. if we're going the robot route. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then we as a viewer have to reconcile that with they're doing things to objects that make us feel bad. And we, in our real world, are doing that to women. Mm -hmm. And that should make you feel bad, too. (laughs) Yes. What do you want to talk about next? (laughs) I don't know. I think it's really interesting um, about how Caleb starts to doubt that he's not an android. I love how quickly he gets to that point. As soon as he realizes that there's some level of manipulation going on, he goes, oh, shit. What if? What if? Yeah. And I I like that. I like that idea, not only because how it develops Caleb's character, which I really did enjoy. Mm -hmm. In the service of the themes of the movie, I like it because they are doing this constant blending of humanity and... This the artificial intelligence, which I guess that's not uh, uh, insightful in any way because that's the point <laughs> of the movie. But it's not just look how smart she is. Mm-hmm. She's human. It keeps going into the points of like, are we that different? Right. And I think that's what separates this movie for me and really gives it a, something a little new, a little mm-hmm. different than a lot of other movies we see dealing with the same thing. Yeah, I liked that kind of moment of panic after he realizes that Kyoko is also a robot. And then he's like, is everybody a robot? Am I a robot? Is 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 the whole world robots? Like you can see what him if? spiraling <gasps> there. Yeah. And you can really see him like just going down a rabbit hole and kind of freaking out. And because he's alone, I think he doesn't have anybody to like stop him from cutting himself open, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I I thought that was a really great place to take it because that is totally if you spend enough time around something, you're gonna start to think, Am I also that? <laughs> Now that you see what's possible, it makes you question everything else. What next? A whole bunch of bullshit about God? Sure. You know how I like all my religious allegory. Yeah. There's a lot in this Tell me about the religious allegory in this movie. How about you? You tell me about the religious aspects of this movie. Did you remember any uh, religious stuff coming out? Um, I mean, other than the fact that Nathan is literally creating life. Whether it's artificial or, you know. Yeah, you could make the argument that it's a microcosm of of the Christian creation story. He is God. She is Eve. uh, Caleb is Adam. And then she does something forbidden and and, uh, the house is their, um, what's it called? Garden of Eden. Garden of Eden. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's basically what I was going to say. That's, um, yeah. And so there's that. There's... Like the idea of misusing kind of the gifts of God. Um, or stealing. Or stealing. Because there is that idea of uh, Prometheus. They talk about Prometheus maybe twice. Once is when he is quite drunk. And if you're going to subscribe to that idea that when you are um, drunk or characters in a drunken state are kind of being more truthful, mm-hmm. which I think uh, holds true in this movie, he says that it's a Promethean and Prometheus, of course, stole fire from the gods. It was something stolen. And then he would have to have his uh, liver eaten by birds forever. And we talked about it, I think, in The Lighthouse. I think there's a lot of Prometheus stuff in there. Yes. So that's the only reason I was so on Prometheus. And then we were re-watching it just now. And I asked, like, where's his liver? Does he get stabbed in the liver? Because that would make it more Promethean as well, because he is being punished for stealing a gift of the gods, which Mm -hmm. is creating life. Or maybe you could even extrapolate it that he is a uh, 
like maybe an alcoholic. He drinks a lot. He's yeah. punishing his liver that way. Yeah. So I think that might be a bit of a reach, but maybe it's there. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to string off of that and yeah. say <laughs> that um, he like he being Nathan kind of, I think, has acknowledged the fact that he may be flying too close to the sun, especially for the kind of modern day world's idea of what's possible with robotics. Oh, a little Icarus. You're and, getting all over there. <laughs> and so I think he's created this bunker, this house where he isn't getting judgment from the world and he's kind of tricking, I don't know, fate and saying like, oh, but I, everything I do in this house is like fine because it's it's my own space and nobody can see me doing it. And so he brings in Caleb and that's when it all starts to kind of unravel for him. He's created this safe place for him to like play with this magic basically. He is making himself of the god of the god of his own little yeah. realm. Yeah. Yeah. Free of the judgment of everyone else. Yeah. And then Ava, you could say, is analogous to Eve. The names are really similar. Mm -hmm. Nathan is a biblical name, too, but I don't remember who that is. But Caleb was the person that Moses sent in to the promised land as a spy. It says, oh. you go in there and you see what it's like. So that Caleb kind of works in this one, oh, too, right? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I'm sure there's like a hundred more examples of like biblical allegories but. well it gets into other religions too because twice i think they bring up the bhagavad gita the hindu text oh because they quote oppenheimer who is quoting that and mm. says i am become death destroyer of worlds is that it whatever that line yeah the oppenheimer line. yeah and uh, <laughs> it's always funny how nathan says like oh you're really good with coming up with great things to say and caleb goes like no it's a quote from this and then nathan goes yeah i know that too <laughs> I'm humoring you, you idiot. Yeah, I'm just being nice to you. <laughs> and then if you don't want to say Ava is Eve, you might want to say that Ava is um, from Avatar. And Avatar is a uh, Hindu word. I know now it means like, oh, this is me on uh, Facebook. I have this funny character. That's yeah. my avatar. But the Hindu word avatar was kind of God's representation on earth. Oh. So it is a person that God would go through, a God would go through and act on earth. Right. I guess that's kind of um, appropriate for this movie as well. Mm -hmm. Taking something that is a God acting on earth, which you could say is uh, what Nathan's. Ava is doing. And, right. Yeah. Ava is an example of that, of that creation and what Nathan is doing. Mm -hmm. But also our use of it now is so technology-based and so frivolous, mm -hmm. right? That that's what we get in the end. We had this idea of God being on Earth, and now it is a funny version of you in your Facebook profile. True. Sad. <laughs> it is kind of sad. I really like my avatar, though. I don't know if I have one. Oh. I, I occasionally change it up when I get new hair. Did you also see that one of that earlier version of Ava was named Lily? Kind of like Lilith, who preceded Eve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And who God then turned into dust because he wouldn't, she wouldn't be subservient to man. Yeah. To like male man. Yeah. Not a male man. A male man. <laughs> a male person <laughs> man. Because man. Gotta could be, be subservient like to the male man. <laughs> <laughs> Which also very fitting from here. Yeah. I uh, kind of forgot about Lilith. But yeah, that's really interesting how much bible there is in this movie and other religious texts garland does a lot of that in my hmm. recollection there's a certain similarity to how we all talk about at least especially in the western world god and ai mm -hmm. when we created god if if you're someone who doesn't believe in god and then you would say it is a human creation we created him in our own image. And a lot of religions say, like, he created us in his mm -hmm. image. You must uh, think a lot of yourself <laughs> to, pretty, uh, pretty. to say, like, oh, God, yeah, he looks like me. <laughs> like, what do you, I don't know. <laughs> and then also in all of our AI movies, they're like, yeah, yeah, they're like us. But I guess maybe in the movies they are because that's what threatens us. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't have fear of robots who are stronger than us. No. Like, there's a forklift, right? That's yeah. stronger than me. I can't do that. But as soon as they start being like us, yeah. then we are threatened. And being better at everything that we do. Yeah, definitely yeah. that. But I think it doesn't even have to be that. I think mm. when you see something that is like you, you feel threatened by it, right? That's right. that whole uncanny valley thing. We are a very uh, egomaniacal species. 
Like, <laughs> if something's good enough to create us, it probably looks just like us, right, guys? Yeah, exactly. Also, I guess this is off topic, maybe a little. <laughs> Why do we assume that someone who created us would also then be all-powerful and all-knowing? So Nathan, of course, created Ava. Creator, definitely. Very smart, for sure. Yeah. Not all-powerful, not all-knowing. No. Why do we... I think most religions assume God is all-powerful, all-knowing. Yeah, it's like higher power, bigger than you. Yeah, I get that, but it could just be like... This man in the clouds or whatever he is yeah. created us. And he's like, all right, whatever. See ya. And yeah. he could just be doing other things now. I think that's a big reason why I don't subscribe to a lot of religion. I believe that there's like, you know, like a higher power or something bigger than you out there. And that's kind of comforting. But the idea, yeah, that he is like all powerful and all knowing and everything is kind of. Because then there's no free will. If no. He's... But then does anyone have free will anyway? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Should I just move on because I, yeah, I'm going to start so. spiraling pretty no, soon. Move on. Next topic. Hey, weren't those visual effects really good? <laughs> yes, very good. I think it's amazing that this won the Oscar for best visual effects in the year that Mad Max and Star Wars came out. Oh. That's big because those movies were costing like $200 million. This cost $15 million and it won the award because you know what? Sometimes subtlety mm -hmm. is what makes things great. It doesn't always have to be a Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then in the end, it ends very Nietzsche because God is dead. <gasps> mm. Mm. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, um, I liked the subtlety of it. This was one that was kind of slow and quiet that I appreciated because it's got that kind of slow creep to it. And then all of a sudden, like, the ending is very fast. And, it goes like, pretty wild. And then everything's just, like, off the rails. And it really does a good job at the beginning of kind of keeping you on the edge of your seat in that, like, uneasy state. I feel like the music was perfect for this mm -hmm. movie. Yeah. It kind of starts where you're not sure if it is music or just the sounds of the mm -hmm. room. And then it turns into things. And it doesn't really get big until the end. And then it gets very big then. Yeah. I think it might be the guy from Portishead who does a bunch of it, but oh. don't quote me on that. But either way, I thought it was very appropriate for this. The music was by Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow. Good work, guys. <laughs> yeah, good job. I liked that it gave kind of almost a personality to how like barren the house is. And I think if you put a kind of a classic orchestral score on this, it might seem cheesy almost mm -hmm. right yeah because i john williams is great for a lot of things but you put that star wars theme <laughs> or that type of score in yeah. a movie like this and it would just it would be terrible mm -hmm. right oftentimes i don't uh, love electronic stuff but what could you do except for do that in a movie like this yeah exactly i also love the lighting yeah the lighting was You'd really think cool all your futuristic tech movies, especially if it has a glowing Android, it's going to be lit with fluorescence and neons. Mm -hmm. And they don't do that at all. I think it's all like tungsten light. It looks fantastic. And I feel <laughs> like it gives you a good opposition to the light of of the mm -hmm. uh, Ava herself, right? Yeah, there's a couple places in the house that seem a little spaceshipy, but that just kind of adds to the unease of like what is this place yeah there's always kind of two competing moods almost. yeah i want to go to that house yeah me too it's oh my god i love it so much super cool it's like in a mountain so do you think ava was manipulating caleb the entire time yeah i think so i think like we talked about before the fact that ava session seven also, and you can also say uh, <laughs> creating the world in seven days is probably a thing in there somewhere. But um, Ava Session 7 appears on the screen, even though Caleb isn't doing any sort of testing and Nathan is already dead. I think that shows you that she was the one testing them the entire time. And when we were rewatching it now, I kept going, reflection, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so whenever she is being deceitful, we see her reflection. Mm. So it's almost her duplicity, her, right. her two-facedness, right? Mm -hmm. And similarly, there's a few times where we get it with Nathan, 
where he is lying to Caleb. And on this rewatch, we know that those are lies, right? Mm -hmm. And in those instances, you'll often see them shot through glass and almost talking to their own reflection. Right. But then when you have an instance like in that a similar scene where Caleb starts talking about his family that died, she reacts genuinely. And it does seem like her performance, um, Vic Hander's performance, mm-hmm. not Ava's performance, her performance is more truthful. It's bigger, almost. It seems more human at that moment. Yeah. And you could say that, oh, this AI is uh, just doing what it's been taught. But I think the AI, Ava, is actually reacting truthfully. She is capable of empathy, and she is sad that this has happened to Caleb. And that's kind of underscored by the fact that we then cut through the glass and we show her more straightforward Mm -hmm. and we don't see any of that reflection anymore. It's one of her bigger reactions and it's not reflected. So it makes me feel like that is a truthful one while those other ones are being deceitful. With Ava, you definitely see her experiencing new things with Caleb that you can tell she hasn't kind of come across before Yeah, because he's new and Nathan's inserted him into the experiment for that reason and so moments like that um where she's like sad because she finds out that his family died i think those are new things mixed in with her kind of working um caleb in a way absolutely and then to be an actor who is performing a robot pretending to be a human yeah a robot tricking someone and then a robot also acting genuinely yeah and if you watch it i can see those There's differences so many layers yeah 100%. it's a fantastic performance and one that i think is probably underrated because we see this sexy robot we see it a lot yeah and it's never great no it's, sometimes it's fun yeah but here i think it was great i think it was great i think she did a really really good job it's amazing do you want to hear something about the name Nathan in the Bible? Oh, sure. Um, it means gift of God. Um, oh. Nathan was a prophet and one of King David's sons, and he acted as a messenger to King David and is considered one of Jesus's ancestors. Oh. Nathan considers himself to be kind of a god. Oh, well, definitely, yeah. And so the idea that his namesake in the Bible was considered to be descendant or like an ancestor of, of Jesus, Jesus yeah. is kind of telling that he thinks that he's kind of better and is able to kind of manipulate things from that standpoint instead of being just a scientist. I like that. Yeah. Look at you seeing way too much into things just like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you got to jump right in. <laughs> Someone Alex Garland is listening like, what a bunch of bullshit this is. It's just, it's just robots, guys. <laughs> Hi, Mr. Garland. Love your work. I really do. <laughs> Can we just talk about when Kyoko stabs Nathan, how like smooth the knife goes in and how yeah. uncomfortable that makes me? I've only seen a stabbing like that in one other movie and I felt the same thing. I was like, oh, just pushing it in like that is gross. It looked like you were pushing it into like a soft loaf of bread. Like there's no resistance. It was just so smooth and it made me so uncomfortable. (laughs) And that has to be a a choice. And I wonder if it's saying that they are so much more than us. Like Nathan was saying how we're just going to be fossils compared to them one day. And there's so much more that that shows like, look how little it takes. Yeah. Or is it just about the frailty of humanity in general? Like literally that, look how little it takes. Yeah. That's all it takes. And I think also the idea that robots are stronger than us. But in this, they weren't. Mm, No. Right? Like Nathan could fight one of them off easily himself. He did fight Ava at one point. They're not particularly strong, but maybe not strength that ways, but just advanced. They are the future. We are the past. Yeah. Yeah. How easily the knife went in really bugged me. (laughs) And that is, I guess, the final twist on all of the power dynamics. Because I think that's driving this movie as much as anything. We come into this world. Nathan has all of the power. Caleb has none. He's figuring things out. And Ava has none. Maybe... Kyoko has even less. Yeah. And throughout this, it is a struggle of how to get that power. Caleb doesn't really aspire for much more. Mm -hmm. He's fine 
He feels like he is being given some power and maybe will gain some more in his friendship or whatever relationship he wants with Ava. I think that to him, maybe just by kind of fulfilling that part of him, because Mm -hmm. he is portrayed as this guy who like maybe has never had a girlfriend. I don't know. It It seems like it might be something like that. So he is maybe from her getting a bit of confidence he is always questioning, like, did you program her to flirt with me or am I just this charming? Right? right. That's kind of the subtext of that yeah. question. Yeah. So maybe he is gaining power through her that way. Ava, however, sees that Caleb is her uh, opportunity to g- grasp some power. Mm-hmm. She sees that she has power over him quickly. And how can she turn this power in over Caleb into power over Nathan as well? And then figures out a way, right? Mm-hmm. And then Nathan had the power the entire time and then gets it pulled away in the old-fashioned way with a nice slow knife. <laughs> Ooh, nice hot knife through butter. Is that the, the yeah, term? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of was disappointed that Kyoko dies. Yeah, me too. I kind of want to see a movie, like a spinoff or like a sequel of Kyoko and Ava like living it up in the world. Yeah, I absolutely don't want a sequel, but if it is a funny short that they shoot where it's just two robots on vacation, I'm down for that. And trying to like hide that they're robots, but also like experience things in the real world. Like they go to the beach and she starts sparking and then she's like, ha ha, and she makes like a funny face. (laughs) Oh no, what can you do? Exactly. I kind of want to see that. They're having ice cream and she takes a bite and just kind of falls out the bottom of her dress and she's like, "Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Robot funnies. Just robot pals. Just palling it up. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe at the end, going back to what I was saying, I think Caleb never was able to realize his own power. And then she used him just like she had been used by, by Nathan, right? She disposes of caleb very Mm -hmm. or do you assume that caleb dies i kind of assume he dies because me too yeah the house is locked down yeah um and if nothing else the important part is that she assumes that he will die yeah she just doesn't care yeah yeah and that's hard to come to terms with i guess that like robots will eventually discard us seems excessively hard (laughs) (laughs) and not a truth i'm willing to come to terms with right now is that kind of your your takeaway that this possibly superior thing will be able to discard us because we were kind of like meaningless to it yeah i think so is that what you i think that's legitimate but i'm not sure if if that is mine maybe let's get to it let's talk about the ending and then we'll talk about ultimately we can wrap up on is Ava sentient, and what does that mean? Right. So the ending itself, how did you like? We know it was hard to see Caleb get killed, because whether or not you like him, I don't think he deserves that. No, he doesn't. Nathan, you could say, if they are, in fact, sentient, and he was treating everyone like that, then yeah, he probably does deserve that. Yeah, Yeah. he is a literal slave, so... um, But if you make them yourself... (laughs) No, I'm sure somebody's made that argument for their own children and how they yeah. treat them. But I guess it it comes down to whether Whoa. or not you think they are sentient. Yeah, I think they are. I think they progress to a point where they're kind of beyond control. But does being beyond control mean mean sentience? I think so. Oh, I don't know about that. I can't control the weather. No. I I guess I'm looking at it in the terms of, like, AI getting smarter and smarter. But does intelligence mean sentience? There's there's computers right now that are smarter than me. I don't know that I have much input on that. I guess we have to define it first. Like, what what do you think sentience is? I don't know how I could describe it. You just know it when you see it. Like pornography. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) It's a saying. Oh. It was from a Supreme Court thing. Uh, I don't know what pornography is. I can't define it, but I know when I see it. It's something like that. (laughs) Right. Kind of feel the same for sentience. Mm. I guess that's why you need the test, right? Because intelligence isn't it. There's all sorts of things that are are more intelligent than us right now. I'm not sure if we ever truly know with Ava. Because you could make the argument that, like you were saying, she's smart enough to... uh, to trick Nathan and Caleb to yeah. manipulate them. And she uses all of those tools to do it. 
But Nathan says, like, yeah, I gave her all of those tools to see if she could do this. Mm -hmm. So then is that programming or is that sentient? Yeah, it's hard to say without, like, more information on kind of what happens after. Mm -hmm. Because, like, for all we know, 15 minutes in the future or, like, that night, she could be curled up in an alleyway, like, shorting out because it's all too much for her, right? Like, Right. But I don't think that would detract from the idea of sentience either. I think that would detract from my idea of whether she can cope with a lot of input. Mm -hmm. But that I think that's a different argument. I think it's actually the easiest argument is to make that Kyoko is sentient. Mm -hmm. Because she's the only one whose actions were a complete surprise to Nathan. Mm -hmm. Like Nathan, of course, he underestimates both Caleb and Ava. But they're just one day ahead of what he thought they would be. Yeah. So they don't really... Well, they they trick him. They win in the yeah. end. But he also designed Ava to do that trick. So then maybe you could argue that that's just programming. But Kyoko, on the other hand, she goes completely against what she's been designed to do. So I think it's easier to make an argument that she is sentient because nobody programmed her to turn. Mm-hmm. She hears something from Ava. They have a little conversation almost. And then she's like, oh, this is my chance. Perfect. Let's go. Yeah. I want that freedom. And I've been uh, treated like garbage this entire time. So now I'm going to do something about it. Like spark something in her. Yeah. Ava is is more complicated, I think, because her artificial intelligence draws from internet searches, right? She has access to the internet and that is Mm -hmm. what has developed her. The entirety of the internet kind of forms her consciousness. But is that sentience or is that looking at things and interpreting and applying them? Yeah, I don't know. Because I I feel like the more time you spend with a source like the internet, the better you're going to be at like complex thought. So do you think then her being able to draw from this wealth of knowledge and apply it that is her sentience i think so i don't know but what i do think is like we're no different (laughs) i don't think her just taking what we search and us taking the entirety of our lives and making choices on that is, is any different right we have the genetics we have we were raised in certain circumstances and we can't based on all of that that is how we act like Mm -hmm. there is the the line about well i programmed her to be heterosexual just like you were programmed and Mm -hmm. he says i wasn't programmed and then because well did you choose it and ultimately answers like no but i wasn't programmed but i think it's the same thing it's just different words the whole nature versus nurture and the combination of the two which mm-hmm. is of course the the truth it's a, it's combination right. always what is that other than programming if i do something every day that gets a certain result i have been programmed to learn that if i do a b happens mm-hmm. i say i have all the free will will in the world I go and I stop because a light turns red. Yeah. I have been programmed to do that. True. We can't have a a thought ever that is truly 100% our own. Humanity cannot exist in a vacuum. Mm. So at the end, like, I don't know. What do you think this movie is saying about AI? I feel like if you don't get all complex about it, it's like, watch out, AI is coming. But I feel like... Kind of what it told me was like AI in the wrong hands is bad and that it's inevitable, I guess. Ooh, uh oh. <laughs> I keep coming back to that one scene about the Jackson Pollock painting and how he painted automatically. To me, that didn't provide a good argument for how AI is sentient but rather that we might not be as special as we think. (laughs) So I think in the end, it might be the same thing, that whether or not um, Ava is sentient first is like, are we? And I do think that we and Ava are very close. Mm -hmm. Like I might argue that this movie doesn't say that we should like watch out because you can build something that's bigger and stronger and smarter and better than us. I think that this movie rather is saying like, what if we build something that is just like us? There's these ideas of uh, 
God being created in our image or vice versa. And here we have Nathan who is abusive and manipulative and doesn't seem to have any compassion. So Ava becomes manipulative and doesn't have any compassion. If anything, I think this movie doesn't worry about sentient robots. It wonders that if we are in fact sentient or are we just the sum of our programming? And it doesn't caution against creating something intelligent and powerful. I think it cautions against creating something that's just like us. Mm. Like that's what God got wrong, if that was the case, <laughs> creating us yeah. in their own image. And we now are doing the same with AI. And you know what? We are not great. And if we are creating something in our own image, it's not going to be great either. Mm. Whoa, man. Because it never taught empathy. Emp Caleb has empathy. I think he's the only one that does. Maybe she does too, because there's that one flash when she hears about his family, but that's about it. Mm. It's a thinker. Yeah. Maybe we <laughs> should just end there. I have so much more, but we can just wrap up on that. Sure. I'll, I'll rapid fire a couple of things. This is, seems to be a loose adaptation of uh, The Tempest to me. Oh. It seems very much like The Tempest. Uh, Nathan is a powerful, manipulative inventor, uh, like Prospero is, who is a, a powerful magician who lives on this remote island. Ava is like Miranda, who's Prospero's daughter. Uh, they were both created by their fathers, like created, created out of magic or out of technology. And they have not experienced people out of the outside world. And then a Ferdinand or Caleb comes in and is this outside world. And yeah, it's, it's the Tempest, I think. <laughs> Do you know about the phrase deus ex machina? No. Literally, it means a god from the machine. And in ancient Greek theater, they would have a god who would ascend on a platform. And that was the machine. And uh, uh, the god would say like, oh, I'm here to solve all your problems. And they, the god would solve it. Right. And then in modern film and theater, we call something deus ex machina when the salvation seems to come out of nowhere. There's like a lot of movies where like, oh, and then in the end, an asteroid came and yeah. helped everyone else. That's like a cheap ending. And that's referred to as deus ex machina. Uh, but now this movie is called just ex machina. So you could look at that being like ex machine, formerly machine, possibly mm -hmm. now human. Or it's just that phrase, but the God is gone because the God is, is present right here, perhaps. I don't know. That's really interesting to think about. And then just in general, I think this uh, presents um, more questions about the nature of humanity than it does about artificial intelligence. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Next week, we will be revealing the theme for next month. And uh, I'll be revealing what we'll be watching for our big watch the week after. Do we get to know what the theme is now? Because I don't know either. You're picking the theme because it's your... Right. Your movie. Um, I think it's going to be animal movies. Animal movies? Yeah. Awesome. I'm in. Okay. So. I'll start thinking about an animal movie. It's going to be from the Air Bud universe. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll come back next week when we see which animal movie we'll be watching. And you can hear our spoiler-free animal things of the fortnight. Oh, they're going to be animal too? I thought so. Okay, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Goodbye.